This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. All right, so thing is, I've had two months to work on this because I was supposed to uh, do this like beginning of January and uh, had COVID, things happened, then we had a baby. So I've had two months to work on this, okay? So six hours from now when we're done, you're going to have a lot of info <laughs> about things. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I do have to watch my time because I do like ramble uh, about things. Um, Ryan Collins asked me, he does things back here and online. Uh, if you're joining online, hello. Um, he uh, wants a title, and I said, well, today's title is going to be Garage Sales, Magicians, and, uh, oh, Hulk Hogan. Garage Sales, Magicians, and Hulk Hogan. This was the title. And he went, no, really. I said, no, oh, that kind of is. But we're going to change it. We're going to change it to transform people, transform, because that's better. Uh, what we're talking about. Um, I'm going to compare a couple different stories today out of the book of Acts. Two different stories, two different people, two different outcomes. Uh, and we're going to use those stories to uh, figure out some things about uh, the term uh, stronghold today. That's what we're going to talk about. So but I'm going to start with, you're probably wondering, Hawk Hogan. Where did that come from? How many of you are into garage sales, going to garage sales? Yeah, a lot of you. Cool-ish. How many of you are garage sailors? Like, yes, I know you are, my, fr- my friend. Uh, <laughs> garage sailors, different. There's a big difference between going to a garage sale and garage sailors. My grandma was a garage sailor. My mom got the gene, and I probably have it too, but it's in, it's in remission. Okay. <laughs> we used to, my grandma would get the early bird in the dark county. You used to get the early bird, you know? Like the paper, all the garage sales were in there. And on t- whenever that came, it was like, I forget what day it was. But she would, her and my mom would circle the ones that we were going to go to. Right? So in the summer, Thursday morning, we'd get up super early to go to the garage sales. And we'd wait. And we were there when the door opened. They revealed all their treasures. We were waiting right, to see what, what we could find. Uh, the goal was to find that gem. At the garage sales, you know, that thing that is worth a million dollars, but they only want 50 cents. That's the goal. That's the goal. All right. I went along because there was a chance if I was good that I would get something too, usually. Sometimes it would be a cup of lemonade. Sometimes it would be something cool. And uh, one time I got a, uh, you remember C plus C Music Factory? Everybody dance now. I got that tape at a garage sale. That was a pretty big win. And uh, I also got a He-Man action figure. Not He-Man, Hawk Hogan. I got a Hawk Hogan action figure. Sorry, He-Man. And I asked my neighbor across the street. I was going to bring it along and be like, look, Hawk Hogan. And I thought maybe their son, like maybe I gave it to him. But they're denying it. So <laughs> so I do have my, my Hawk Hogan action figure somewhere. And he kind of looks like this. That's what he looks like. He's, he's ripped. Uh, Hawk Mania. I found that. That is a gem of a find at a garage sale. I've hung on to that for a long time. I got that when I was about nine-ish. So I've had that for about 30 years. It's followed me through moves. I accidentally 
kind of, I took it to college one time, didn't mean to, but it's been there. It's been all over the place. Uh, it keeps turning up. Hulk Hogan keeps turning up. And I never throw him away because why would I, right? I mean, you can't throw him away. So I keep him. I keep him around. Uh, it takes a lot of effort to throw him away versus keep him in the box that we moved into the house, right? So he's still there. Hawk's still a part of my life. <laughs> Hawk Hogan. Uh, every year we would go down to the Mecca of garage sales once a year. One time a year, the Mecca of garage sales. The best day of my life, right? Here we would go to Trader's World. Trader's World. Oh, man. You talk about junk everywhere. That is Trader's World. And I never got anything at Trader's World. All those garage sales we went to, Mom probably watching. I don't think I ever got anything. I think they spent so much money that they didn't have any left is what happened. And there was nothing left for me at the end of the day when I found my stuff. But it was a good time. Good time. But it's amazing the things that we keep, isn't it? Like we keep, we just keep it. And what do we say to ourselves when we keep something? I say this. What if I need it someday? Or what if somebody needs it someday, right? That's what we think. I'm not going to throw it away. What if somebody needs it? The, the Hulk Hogan. What if somebody needs it? Right? You should have it. Anyway. But there's things that we do spiritually in our life that we hold on to. And uh, we call those strongholds. Uh, our first fill-in and what we're going to talk about, kind of our beginning of the uh, idea today is uh, accepting with exception. So accepting with an exception. And that's stronghold to me, one of the definitions. There's many. But it's an accepting of something with an exception. I think about um, my idea here of uh, Hawk Hogan. I thought about having a uh, garage sale and trying to sell him uh, his, his wonderfully made, crafted uh, figurine at a garage sale of mine. Uh, and laying him out here, selling him for 75 cents, somebody offering me 75 cents, and me saying, nah, no, 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 I'm going to keep it. I'm on, that's not for sale. I'm going to keep it. Uh, you can have everything else, though, for 75. You can have it all for 75 cents, but I'm just going to keep this right here. <clears throat> and then them saying, but no, you don't understand. My son really wants that action figure. I'll give you a hundred bucks for it. I say, nah, nope. I'm gonna keep it. Keep it. I've had a million dollars. I'll give you a million dollars for your for your Hulk Hogan. No, no, I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it. It's an exception to everything else. It's an exception. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna hang on to that one. Right? Hulk Hogan making points here Sunday morning. Right? Why in the world do I still have this? So we're gonna turn on to uh uh Acts chapter 8, and we're going to talk about a guy named Simon. Am I the only one that gets confused or has been confused as why there's so many Simons in the Bible? Right? That, is all, that always confused me, and I'm getting it figured out, right? But uh, there's Simon. This guy is Simon the magician, and he's not just a magician. He doesn't do magic tricks and card tricks, but he's a magician of epic proportions. Uh, David Copperfield. Uh, type thing, but way beyond that. Uh, he is the uh, Dr. Phil Oprah, David Copperfield, LeBron James of his day. He's very popular. Uh, he's seen as a god for many people. Um, 
he views himself that way. He wants people to think of himself that way, too. He doesn't mind the notoriety. Uh, he performs magic, all kinds of feats, different things. Uh, they would call him, uh, this man is the power of God that is called great, that people would say of him. All right. We're going to start reading in Acts uh, chapter 8, starting in verse 9. And we're going to hear the story, the tale of Simon the Magician. I'm going to kind of go through things a little quicker than I did last service. All right. Um, so, or verse 9 says, There was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him for a long time. He had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. All right, so you have early church going out, spreading the word of a guy named Philip, who's in Samaria, and spreading the gospel okay, to all the people there. When they heard that message, they were baptized, both men and women. So people heard the message and started getting baptized. It says in verse 13, even Simon himself believed. Even he believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip, with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. So, gospel comes to town, changes the game for him. He starts to believe. He sees things with his own eyes, calls him to believe, and he gets baptized and walks with Philip for a period of time. Don't know how long. Keep reading in chapter, or I'm sorry, chapter, verse 14. It says, Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John. So Peter and John come, because things are going good. So they come, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's confusing. It's confusing to me, too, to be honest. It's confusing to a lot of people. Theologians, that's confusing, too. Uh, God's in control, all right? <laughs> that's all I say. That's, we'll ask Paul about it when he gets back. Uh, <laughs> then, they lay, then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone who, whom I lay hands on uh, may receive the Holy Spirit. So, he this is referred to as a term now. Uh, it's actually a thing, trying to buy the power, right? But he is having a little bit of problems. Um, here's Simon, the magician, who gave his life. He got baptized. But yet he sees the Spirit come, and he sees, wow, that's the real thing that I was pretending to do. Uh, can I buy that ability? That would be super cool, because then I'd be really famous then, right? I'd be Super famous. Simon had a stronghold, I think we can say. He had a stronghold. His stronghold could be a lot of things, um, but he definitely had a stronghold. Yet he was baptized. How does that work? Don't, when you get baptized, don't all your strongholds just go away? Right? I mean, what happened? Right? Strongholds, this is the next fill-in. Strongholds come from 
amongst other things. Unrepented sin. Come from unrepented sin. They come from our exceptions to what we profess that we've accepted. Right? If I have a stronghold, that's where it comes from. It's an unrepented sin that is an exception. It's the Hulk Hogan <laughs> of my garage sale. Right. If you think of a, a, a one of the think of a putting, and we're going to talk about this later. The big difference between saying sorry and repentance. Big difference. Big difference. We're going to that a little more in detail. But think of a bucket. Let's say I have a bucket, and this bucket is full of water, and I have a big bowling ball in there. It's not going to hold as much water as it would if I took the bowling ball out, right? Science. I think I'm right on that science, right? All right. If I say sorry, I've still got the bowling ball in the water, right? If I repent, I'm taking the bowling ball out of the water, right, so I can put more water in it. That's what happens. That's the difference. We're repenting. We're emptying that space so that God can take the place. Right. So, how do we get? How do we deal with this stronghold thing? Uh, Peter, who I like, Peter's a pretty direct guy. Uh, <laughs> awesome, but um, Peter gives him a response to this, and really, when he does, he really lays out a step process of dealing with strongholds in a way. He deals with, uh, and there's uh, many ways to look at it, but there's really four things. Simon, our buddy, old pal, made it through three. He heard three, in other words, he didn't make it through, but he heard three. There's a fourth one that I think Peter is going to let him know, but I think he jumped the gun. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start reading. Uh, now we're in uh, verse 20. This is after he said, hey, give me, if I give you money, you give me that power too, right? Uh, then Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right. Before God. So Peter calls him out. Peter calls him out. That's, that's the, the first thing that Peter identifies is to identify the stronghold. Identify it. This can happen a bunch of different ways. Sometimes people identify it for us like Peter's doing for Simon. Sometimes we identify it ourselves through the weight that we feel. We identify it. Um, sometimes it's a son, a daughter, a parent, a coach, a co-worker, who knows. Uh, identifying a stronghold isn't uh, identifying a weakness. Uh, in our house, it would be uh, like uh, Aaron saying, hey, sweetheart, hey, how you doing? Hey, could you mind not turning the lights on when you go to bed real late when I'm asleep, right? Or do you mind uh, not flushing the toilet right next to the sleeping baby or whatever? You know what I mean? Like these kinds of things. Those are like weaknesses. When we're talking about identifying a stronghold, it hurts. It hurts. Has that, that happened to you? It has me. People have identified a stronghold. And my first thought is, probably, right? Yeah. But I tell you what, though, looking back, those days that those strongholds have been identified uh, are burnt, like, into me, into my heart. Part pain, part joy, part death, part life. Identify it. That's what Peter's doing for Simon. That's step one. Read on. He says, your heart is not right before God. Then in verse 22, repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours 
and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. So the next step he says is break it down. Break down the stronghold. Repent. Peter didn't say, hey, you, you should apologize for what you just said to me. I'm offended. Right? No. He said, uh, repent. Repent. And I think we can be really, really good at saying sorry and terrible at repenting. Uh, I know I have, I have been. I think of uh, things that <laughs> I've messed up. I don't know how many times uh, in my life I've said sorry. Ah, sorry. Shoot, I'll get that right someday. You know, get it right. I think it's to the point that identification and uh, people confront it when you've said sorry so many times. Too many times, right? And nothing's changed. Uh, but Peter didn't say apologize. He said repent. Breaking down the action. It's a heart issue, not an action issue. It's a heart issue. Instead of apologizing for uh, uh, messing things up, uh, it's repenting for my heart that made it that way in the first place. And that is where transformation happens and comes from. So, repent and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. Verse 23 says, For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness. Gall means uh, bile. It means like poop. He's literally saying you're, you are in a pile of poop. Right? And in the bond of iniquity. You got chains and you're sitting in poop. That's what he's telling them. Okay? <laughs> As clear as that is, Simon doesn't understand, right? He doesn't understand at all, really. <laughs> it sounds very similar to what people have told me in the past, except they don't use those exact words, all right? <laughs> so Simon hears this, and, uh, and his response to this is, pray for me, uh, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you say and what you have said may come upon me. So he's basically saying to Peter, hey, pray that I don't have any consequences because that'd be super cool. Thanks. That's basically what happened right there. Uh, telling him he's sitting in poop and he says, uh, will you pray for me that nobody finds out? <laughs> right. uh, our buddy Simon here, there's some back and forth. There's, what happened to Simon? This is the last thing. I have a feeling that Peter would have talked to him more, I think, right? Had his response been a little different? Uh, something to, to think about, we're going to think about uh, toward the end is what would our response be? What would our response be? If somebody uh, confronts us on something, what's our response? Uh, Simon's story, I went to wikipedia.com, which is super convenient for finding out things about stuff that are hard to figure out. Uh, Simon's life would, we don't know if he repented or not, truly. We don't, because we don't know those things. But there are some accounts, uh, some of it's mythology, some of it may have some bones to it about what happened to him in his life. So it's safe to say that his life spiraled out of control in some way. No matter which account you look at, he, uh, he didn't travel along with Philip and Peter spreading the gospel. Or else he would be there, right? So it says in here that he, uh, 
and then one account, um, there's other, some other historical documents. It said, uh, Paul the Apostle is present along with Peter. So this is, this is later on. And uh, Simon levitates from a high wooden tower made upon his request. So he had a wooden tower made, and he tried to levitate, and he fell to his death. He, what he was doing is trying to show people he could actually fly, because he promised he could fly a lot. And he was trying to show people that he could fly. He gets up there, and guess what? <laughs> he couldn't fly, and he fell. All right? He fell. He's, his life was spiraling out of control, uh, and how quickly that happens. Uh, he was still, he would, he would walk, go around and, and uh, call himself, uh, times calling himself the Christ. Um, a higher power even than God. A, higher, a power higher than God himself. Um, yeah, he had some things going on. He had some strongholds. Okay. The last one I went through is pray, by the way. That one. Um, he was a baptized believer. He, we would have referred to him as a Christian. He's baptized, check. Uh, he says he believes, check. Right? But he's got some exceptions, just like we do. He's got some exceptions. So that's the story of Simon. <laughs> he's an interesting character, for sure. We're going to compare and contrast that a little. Well, actually, let's cover that. Let's go over um, the last one on this fill out here, which is confess to one another. I think that's probably the fourth thing that Peter was waiting on. We're going to talk to him about was repent, confess. Hey, talk to me. I'll help you. I think that's probably the fourth thing that Simon didn't stick around for. The question is, what happens to things when they're left unchecked? Uh, for me, things are left unchecked. It gets real weird real quick. Real weird. Um, it, it's not long before, for me standing up here right now in front of you without daily confession, that it's not long, trust me, before the cops are getting called to my house. I'm calling attorneys. Uh, we've got, um, you name it. Terrible family get-togethers, stress of all kinds, weights of all kinds, broken things, taking kids to gas stations and switching them, all kinds of things. I'm like a step away, step away, that daily confession. The next story, the next person will highlight that for us well. Um, we're going to read about Saul, who is Paul. Saul, Paul. That was confusing to me for a long time. <laughs> Saul is Paul. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to highlight a few things for you. Then we're going to go to, to chapter 9. Uh, but we're going to see a, a, a contrast here. But Saul was a murderer. Not just a murderer. He was also a persecutor, murderer of the church. Picture you are at life group. And a dude comes knocking on the door. The first person that answers it, he shoots them. That's him. That's what he would do. That, like, trying to sit with that a little bit. I did. Because I had two months to work on this. I sat with that a little bit. Just trying to think of the kind of guy he was. Right? He's kind of a bad dude. He'd go from house to house. Saul was ravaging. That's, a, that's in the uh, uh, imperfect tense, which means he was currently doing it. Okay. In 9, 
Let's start in chapter 9, verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, breathing, still breathing threats, it was part of him. This was his identity. This was what he was doing. Okay? It was, it was, it was his mission. He was breathing threats and murder against the disciples, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Ah, how did he know that it was him? I think there was a seed there. There had to be a seed there. Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Could you ever be afraid of something that doesn't exist? Hmm, right? Could you? He acknowledged the existence of God beforehand, even though he was fighting against him. You have to acknowledge your enemy to fight against it. Right? Philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> right? So he knew. There was a seed. There was a seed. He knew who he was fighting against, and he knew him uh, when he started speaking to him. He, and he said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Rise and enter the city and be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to, into Damascus. And for three days, threes again, and for three days he was without sight, neither ate nor drank. There was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Ananias was available. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, here I am. The Lord said, rise and go to the street called Straight. In the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. He's seen in a vision a man named Ananias come and lay his hands on him so he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, said, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> I've heard many things about this. Dude, how much evil has he done to your saints in Jerusalem? And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call your name, call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Here's a, here's a key point today. It's not in your notes necessarily. But no matter what you have done, no matter what your strongholds are, God says, go. You're a chosen instrument of mine. No matter what. No matter what. No matter what. So, Ananias departed and entered the house and laying hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, for the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road, but which you came and sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. And then he rose and was baptized, taking food, he was strengthened. Then, one more sentence. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus and immediately proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue. So for some days he spent with them. Different story, different story, different plot, different people, different time, different things going on, right? A lot of differences going on. Saul, Paul, I'll call him Paul from now on. Uh, Saul Jesus, Right? Saw him. Simon may not have seen that, but he saw miracles happen right in front of his eyes. He had proof. He had proof. He had proof. 
kept an exception. Waking up, even after this experience, Saul, at the time, Paul, had the opportunity to not do anything with it. He had an opportunity to keep exceptions, didn't he? He had an opportunity. He can take exceptions. But he said he immediately rose and was baptized. Taking food, he was strengthened. I'm sure he ate, but I also think he studied. I think, that, I think he was strengthened that way, too. And for some days, he was in with the disciples at, at Damascus. Totally different story. He spent some time with them, and then we know the rest of the story. How many of your, my life, uh, I would raise my hand, how many of our lives have been impacted by something that the Apostle Paul wrote in the Bible? Yeah, pretty much everybody. If you've been to church here, yeah, right? Like, yeah. A lot different outcome. A lot different outcome. If you read in uh, the rest of his writing, he talks about how important it is to daily confess that daily method of operation and what we're doing. Uh, he would go on to transform, really, Romans 8 changed the way I thought about everything. Romans 8. He wrote it, right? His transformed life transformed mine, or helped God transform it, right? So, like, um, we, in community, uh, God intends for us to be in community. I would love to, uh, I'm an introvert by nature. Putting this thing on and talking in front of people is not my thing at all, uh, whatsoever. So I would rather go like into the woods by myself and get it all figured out, right? And I've tried to do that. I used to do that, I'd run off. Uh, when I was being called out on something, they were trying to identify my stronghold. Mm-mm, and I ran out in the woods, okay? And I'd stay there for a while to figure it out. Uh, that never worked. Never worked. Uh, and uh, isolation is a pure uh, um, uh, confirmation of a stronghold, I think. I really do. Um, that's the natural reaction is to isolate the strongholds. But God created us for community. He created us for community. And the same transformed life that the Apostle Paul had to transform ours, we have out of our transformation, the ability to help others transform, right? In my life, I've noticed that anything I've gone through, there's been somebody right behind who needs help with that same exact thing. And I used to be able to count like this. this. Now it's like, I don't even know. It's so many people. No idea how many. Uh, really, really amazing how that works. Um, but we have to be able to identify our strongholds, break them down, pray about them, confess them to one another. It's one of the things I appreciate about our elder group is um, confessing those things, talking about those things uh, in an open way. Um, so powerful. So there's a big difference uh, in the way the two stories uh, turned out. Um, we've got one guy jumped off a thing to prove he could fly. Uh, the other guy would write most of the New Testament. Big difference. Big difference. Which one are we? What's our exception? What's our exception? Our Hawk Hogan behind our back? What's our exception? I have strongholds. As I stand here now, that, convinced of that the other night, this is very small. 
driving through Troy to get Carmen from a basketball practice, a car stops at a green light. A green light. Come on. You know what I mean? It's a green light. We got to go. And she's texting me, are you here yet? You know? And I'm stopped at a green light waiting on the, the, the car. To, anyway, I have strongholds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do. Yeah. But, yeah, strongholds. Um, I will always will. But have we laid those at the cross or have we apologized? That's the question. Have we laid them at the cross have we, or we have just apologized? Big difference, big difference, big difference. That's what I encourage you today is those strongholds you have, those things that are coming to your mind, we know what they are. We know what they are. We know that sometimes they're things we've developed. Sometimes a stronghold is something that has happened to us that we hold on to. Whatever it is, that's where it belongs. Remember the bucket of water with the bowling ball? Yeah. Take the bowling ball out. You don't need the bowling ball. Nobody, we don't bowl. <laughs> a lot of people bowl. I like bowling. I'm terrible. But you get the idea. Empty it, empty it, empty it, empty it. There's an excellent, people say, how, how? And you, we, the artist can come back up, the band can come back up. We're going to look at a, a way to pray, a way to pray, a way to confess. And it was given to us by David. Uh, David was a man who had some strongholds, that's for sure. Like all of us, David had strongholds. And he writes a psalm uh, in Psalm 51. There's a period of time, I read this every day. I would encourage you to read Psalm 51 every day for a month. See what happens. See if, if you don't feel lighter. Um, amazing, uh, Psalm 51. We're just going to read a short portion of that today. Um, but it's uh, Psalm 51, verse 10 through 12. I think that we'll have it up on the screen. I'd love for us to read it together. Uh, growing up, uh, in the church I went to, this was part of our liturgy. It was part of what we repeated each week. I didn't know the gravity or understand it at that age, uh, how amazing these words were. Um, but there is power in, in uh, reading it together. So it, do you have them up on the screen, Carmen, or whoever's back there? No? Okay. Here's what it says. It says in verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. But restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Amen. That's it, right? That's it. We're going to continue to worship today. If you, if you have strongholds, you like, I'm done with this. I'm ready to sell this Hawk Hogan. All right. Today's the day. Let's do it. Okay. Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. 
That's why Jesus came. That's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.